Good morning, good morning, RCC family. Good morning to everyone in the room. It's so good to see you guys. And good morning to everyone who's watching live. We are so happy that you're tuning in with us this morning. Uh, today is Affirmation Sunday, so we will be doing testimonies at the end of service. And our focus question is, what has God been revealing to you in this season, or what is he teaching you? So hold on to that question. Feel free to answer in the comment section below, and I will read it at the end of our service today. So for this morning, um, just a few things to note. If you are here, we would love to love our neighbor as well as possible. And so we're just asking that everyone keep their mask on for the entirety of the service, unless you're actively drinking something. Um, and that's just a really great way just to be as honoring as possible to those around you. Now, we're going to jump into our psalm, and it's going to be Psalm 19. And it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor their words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their, wor and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his cham chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is
transition into prayers of the people. There's something really unique about prayers of the people, especially coming off of that song, because we have to sit in this tension of entering into lament and crying out in intercession. And in the same time, we sing, I exalt thee, because we know that being in it, we also get to declare that he is over it. And so prayers of the people forces us to sit in that tension and to recognize our full humanity, which is what Jesus did. He became human to be with us. And so as we enter into prayers of the people, my prayer is that we would be a people that enter into the grief and, and the heaviness and the weight of what's happening around the world and in the church and in our own county, in our own city and in our own lives, but that we would also sit in that knowing that we can still say, we exalt thee, that he is over all and he sees all and he is in all. So if you would pray with me. We pray for the universal church, its members, and its mission. We pray specifically right now for Bashir al-Bakari, who's in Yemen, who's facing the death penalty for preaching Christianity. God, would you, would you show up in his prison cell? Would you show up and extravagantly love on him that he would know that he's not alone, that his faith would be encouraged and uplifted by the potty surrounding him and praying for him? You are a God that loves justice, that is righteous and sovereign. God, would you release him from his captors? God, would you actually allow men and women to become saved and to become to know your name because of the faith of this man? God, I thank you for I thank you for this brother in Christ. I thank you for this reckless abandonment he has for loving you. And I just pray that you'd be so near to him. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for Myanmar as they continue to have so much distress. So much distress. Would we not be a people that looks our way or chooses to be ignorant, but may we become a, a people that learn to know, to become aware, and to become educated, and may we intercede on behalf of the Myanmar people that your peace and your presence would reign, that the strife between people would end, God, that you would rid evil where there is evil, that you would bring justice where, there is, where justice is needed, 
Would you advocate on behalf of the voiceless and the powerless? Would you help the church to know its place and its role in that country? Clear direction, clear doors, clear connection. We pray for the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County. We pray for the apartment complex in Brookhaven that caught fire twice in the span of hours. For the families that are now have lost everything in the middle of a pandemic. God, would you allow them to have access to every resource that they need to be safe, to begin to rebuild. May they know that they are indeed not alone, that they would have a safe place. If, if they don't have a safe place, I pray that they somehow end up at River City Church, that we would be able to love them well. Thank you and we praise you for the missing woman who was found in Austell who is safe. Thank you. Thank you for her protection. Thank you for your providence. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. May we never forget to say thank you. We pray for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. We pray for Jackie as she is recovering at home after having to spend some time in the hospital. God, I just pray that you would restore her body to how you created it to function, that she would be able to rest, that she would return to full health. God, that we as River City would love her well, that she would know she is not alone in this healing process, that you would bring her to mind or to hearts of us, that we would love her immensely well, that we would be your hands and your feet. And we thank you for the Tuckers and the safe arrival of their baby girl. We thank you for just what a sweet and tender reminder new life is for us. Pray protection over them. We bless them. We bless their journey into parenthood. We bless their daughter, Eliza, that you would protect them, that you would be near to them, that your presence would fill their home. And we pray for every burden and for every struggle every person in isolation and loneliness and depression and anxiety, spoken or unspoken. God, I pray and I thank you that your promise is to be with us, to walk us through the fire, to walk us through the darkness. And so would you be very evident and present in our grief and in our mourning and our distress that we would know you are near. And I thank you that we can lay our burdens at the cross and we can proclaim your name and we can say we exalt thee over all things. You are worthy of us building our life on your name and on your love. It's in your name we pray, amen. How's everybody doing? Does anybody else want to make fun of my new podium, or is it we're going to be good with just the one that did? We're just going to be good with the one that did? Okay. That's great. That'll be fun. Two quick also announcements. One, for two weeks, youth will be put on hold while we pray. So Sunday nights for two weeks, 
We're body, as a body, we're going to be interceding about what God has next for the youth because he loves the youth. There's a lot of big things coming up. So raise your hand if you're here. Amen. I'm asking you to pray with me for two weeks that God would provide his plan. I'm actually excited about it, but we just don't know what specifically it is yet. Number two, uh, we have an operating governing board called the Wise Council, and they have been in place to help make sure that our church is structured correctly in the right ways. They're people who pray. They're people who seek God. They're people who meet with me twice a month, sometimes for two hours, sometimes for four hours. Um, sometimes they're happy to be there and always are happy to be there, right? So if you're in the room and you're a Wise Council member, would you mind standing to your feet, Alita and Jonathan? So thank you. We also have Alex, who is not here, and then Antramika, who is not here, but they are also both part of our Wise Council. We're going into a unique season where we're going to be expanding our Wise Council. I've said that quite a bit already. And we want to invite you to have input in this. So I'm going to walk you through quickly what that looks like after I explain. This is a governing board for RCC, kind of built around what's found in Acts 6 and also 1 Timothy 3. They provide direction financially physically for facilities, any real estate-related things, and also staff-related things. They help with a ton. And so they also pray, and they seek God together and help really form where the church goes. And so I'm going to read you some of the qualifications that need to be embodied within this, this people group. And then I'm going to ask you to participate in submitting what we're asking you to submit. So you can start the video, and I'll just kind of walk you through it. Thank you, Becca, for creating a video yesterday, I think, to help us through this. So go, on, go to our webpage. Our webpage is, um, it's basically rivercitysmyrna.com. And um, once you get there, you're going to click on that if you're on the prayer wall. You're going to go right to that website. And then on that, you're going to find the River City Church Wise Council nomination form. You're going to click start because you're brilliant. You can push pause right there. So Wise Council qualifications that you need to be aware of. You need to be able to recognize spiritual maturity as a follower of Jesus Christ, rec recognizable and evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Not just a gift that you notice, the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, this is important for this, for this person. They need to be men and women of aged 21 or older who have been members at River City Church for at least one year. You're not going to necessarily know that part, right, how long people have been a member here. But submit who you would like to submit built around that. And then they need to have sense a call to River City. So if it's somebody you've seen here once that's a part of the church down the street, that probably wouldn't be, that probably wouldn't be the person. But if, there's a, if you notice in them a desire for the things that God's doing in this community, that's a really big part because they'll need to be bought in to what's happening at River City. They'll need to be people who are present in our services, that are faithful, that are people that pray. They need to be people that pour into others within the body, right? And so, and you can push... Move along. Once you get to this page, you can click on continue. See, I thought Bill was doing this earlier, and he was like, this is a video. There's other parts that this wise council need to be a part of. Now, you can push pause here, too. This is important. Committed to RCC's four-part vision. Everybody look behind you to the walls and these walls. Those are coming down soon. Not because we don't believe in it. It's just more concise back there. So those are the four things that we believe are extremely important for our body to be bought into also agrees with our statement of faith, which will be a conversation we have with our people that are nominated to make sure everything kind of jives there. And so you'll continue there. Once again, Bill. Thank you, Bill. And then you will go and you will actually type in the name of the person that you would like to submit. 
<laughs> Good form. Becca's nomination was Jesus. So, amen. So, who will, who will participate? You will participate. Where will you participate? On the website. That will be where you go to participate. If you don't have access to the web, just swing by the church, and I'll walk you through it online. We can do it together. It can be like, I'll probably have to have one of our staff help me because I'm, um, I'm not necessarily strong in this area, but it's pretty easy. We're going to give you guys two weeks to submit a name, okay? And then after two weeks, we're going to condense those names through prayer, and then we're going to meet with those people, make sure they understand what's happening, and then I think right after Easter Sunday, we're going to present that group to be prayed for, okay? We're really looking for two or three people to be added to this group because the workload of this group in this season has been a lot more. And so let's just pray really quickly for this. Jesus, as, as we are a body that is actively trying to work in our city for the heart that you have, we know that you have the right people, whether it's youth ministry or if it's our wise counsel. We, we trust you. So we don't have to create something or make something happen. We just have to submit to you. Who are these people that, that you are desiring to step into these roles and steward it well with us? Provide them and, and bless our church with what's going to happen in the next season. Also bless the people that have been on this, that have spent so many hours in a pandemic year. And it's been an intense amount of hours. I pray that you would pour into them and bless them and let, that, let what they have presented turn into fruit. And, and I thank you for all that you've done in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think I got rid of second announcements, so we're going to move straight in. So one of the things we've been talking about, and especially because it's a Lent season, is how do you hear the voice of God? What does the voice of God sound like? In Lent, one of the major themes is recognizing what God's voice sounds like and what God's voice does not sound like. Jesus experienced this as he's clarifying who God is and what he's leading him into in the wilderness. He's working towards Easter, right? And Easter is the big aha moment where Jesus destroys death and says his big I love you that continues even till today. But there have been ways that we've been trying to present to you opportunities to believe that God is speaking. One of those ways is our services. So a lot of times people don't know why we do some of the thing in our services. So we start out by gathering, just simply, just being here. This is a collection and a decision to be united around Jesus. So just this action, whether you love the preaching, love the worship, don't really get into the worship, really would have wished you stayed home to watch a different preaching. Whether you like that or not, this simple act is extremely foundational to gather together with other believers. And you move into other parts of worship. I love phrasing Sunday service as actually worship. The whole picture is worship, not just the portion where we use our songs to sing. Worship is everything. Worship is showing up, right? Worship is prayers of the people. What is prayers of the people? When Kara came up here, what she was doing was showing us a picture of how the body of Christ is called to intercede for our world. And that when we gather together, it's not just about the praises of the people. It's also about a body being formed into being a people that intercede for things like equality, racism, Shame to be destroyed. All of these things. This is what this portion of service does. So if you're ever like, why are we doing, why are there pictures of broken things? It's because one of the roles of the local church is to be a praying people, not just a receiving people. Does that make sense? Although we receive much from Christ. Then we work into this portion, which is the word. And this is important because we agree that the scriptures were given to us by God. 
And that when we gather around the scriptures and discuss and preach through them, we're agreeing that the Holy Spirit, the community of God, and the text are all important, right? And it's one of the things I get most frustrated with, I get on a soapbox and I don't want to get on one, is when I hear people say, well, we preach the word of God. I understand that. But we all come to this word with our own lens imposed upon it. I don't care who you are. I don't care what pastor of what church says this. We all come to this lens, and it's not just me saying, here's what the Word of God says, you do it. It's an invitation into the texts, and they should cause us to ask questions, not just produce answers, and it takes the community of God to do that. I believe there's a certain gifting around preaching the Word. I'm not necessarily sure if I have that, but I believe that this is a place in a service where we say, here's what God is speaking to our community through these texts. Here's what I'm sensing he's saying about it specifically for us. And here's why it's important, right? But the, the scripture is, it's an irreplaceable part because the scripture is Christ, right? Christ is, the scripture is important is, is because Christ is important, right? The scripture without Christ or that without it being the living word of Christ would be less important. You could have just freaked out theologically on what I'm saying. The scriptures are important because Christ, right? We've talked about a Christocentric lens and reading scripture through that lens, always asking what, what, is, what is being shown to us about the person and work of Christ in this passage, whether it's Genesis 1 or Revelation 8. That lens is massively important to the Christian because Christ is our cornerstone. He absolutely, that's why, that was my favorite worship set we've ever done in my history of my life, of my whole life. Every song Every single song was about Jesus being the center. Every single song. And it's interesting to me, right? Like, why, why have recently we've been singing the doxology so much at the end of service? And why have I sensed God really speaking in that? Pull up the words, this, if you don't mind, Bill. I think there are seasons when, when and this is not to cause anyone any type of issue, theologically or personally. But I believe there are seasons when some of the songs that are coming out in worship are actually just, it's just prayer and intercession, and it's prayer put into song, but it's not necessarily worship. The reason I believe these kinds of songs are really resonating with communities is because this is a season where we need to be centered on Christ more than any ever. This is a season where just talking about what I need from God is not enough for the collective community. It's one of those seasons where if Christ is not central in this season, we're going to be lost. And so these simple songs, right, like Jesus, we love you, or I remember even singing... The, son, the song I sing to one of my kids every night, which is, Jesus loves me, this I know. Just these simple songs, I believe, carry so much weight because it collects us together corporately around a very simple yet profound thing, which is Jesus is present and pursuing us, and he has to be the center. I love this about him. Always working towards Easter. We've sensed a leading through the way that we've been pursuing God for equipping the saints. I'm not going to try and explain that again. Me trying to explain equipping the saints is me sitting down with you at the beginning of a lifelong journey and saying, here's what's going to come in your whole life. It's an invitation to be with Jesus. I'm recognizing each week, if you get anything, get that proximity to Jesus is everything in this season. Everything. And so I'm not going to try and explain to you exactly what that looks like to you because I don't believe that's my right. I don't believe I get to tell you here's exactly what it looks like. I get to tell you who's close to you and who desires to be present with you and that you can actually create space with someone who's pursuing you and it would actually be simpler than you think. 
I get to tell you that. And then in those scenarios, things blossom. Things come out, right? And so today I'm going to talk to you about how sometimes God speaks to us through story. And even at the end of service, we're going to lovingly open up space for people to share testimony where all the extroverts will be like, amen, and all the introverts will be like, I'm going home. And that's okay, because God shares pictures of his grace through the stories of his people. And it's, it's as if when someone shares how Christ and the grace of Christ has permeated their life and heart, it's like you're being invited into a room that you didn't know was there. And it's in that room that you, you also experience what it is to see the grace of God come to life. So our stories are important. Today we're going to hear from Paul, whose story is important. He actually calls himself the least of these, which is hilarious because he wrote most of the New Testament. But I really genuinely believe that Paul felt like he was the least of these. I genuinely believe he wasn't just saying that as a, like, let's, you know, the thing that they say before the good speaker gets up, they're like, he's a humble guy. You know, he started small and now he's like rich and he has like seven mates. That's not what is happening here. Paul truly was humble. He wrote from prison, right? He was literally in physical chains. This is the story of a man whose words were not in chains and whose heart was liberated even in struggle. So it makes you ask questions like, what is blessing? Is blessing anything that I like or is blessing anything that draws me closer to God? That's a good question to wrestle with. God's blessing don't always look like just alleviating the thing that seems to be a struggle. It doesn't always just look like here's a more peaceful, easy life. Right? That looks like something, but God's blessing for Paul looked like writing half the New Testament for us to read thousands of years later while he was in prison. Right? And he, I don't believe he's like, oh, it's a blessing to be here, but I'd really rather be out. It's more like I really genuinely get the sense with Paul, he truly was living a profound depth in Christ even behind bars. And so today we get to hear and see through his lens from the, from the book of Ephesians. Everybody say Ephesians. It's the church at? Okay, thank you. That's good to know. This is 3 verses 1 through 13. So it says this. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it is now being made revealed to us, to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. They're also members of the same body, and they're partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that was realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you to not lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Pray with me really quick. Jesus, I get a sense that you're trying to invite us into rooms with you today. I don't get to decide what that looks like, but I get to ask you to reveal, reveal what it is you're leading your saints into, each person in this room, God. Reveal kind of the depth that you're inviting us into so that we could say, yes, like Mary said yes. So that we could say, where am I going to go without your presence, God, like the disciples said. Where we can say, what is the temple without the presence of God? like the children of Israel said. But each of us today is being invited into depth, and I thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Just really quick, the first thing that's said is this, for this reason. So what that means is we have to just peek back at last week, and last week what we heard was that there was a temple being built, but for this community they would have never thought of it as a structure made physically. They would have understood that this temple that was being built was being built by God, with people. And they talked about how each person represented like a brick being put into this sanctuary structure. And as the bricks came together, the image of Christ became revealed. That that would be where the presence of God lives. This new community that's being built by the Spirit of God for God in the real life world would be a, a community that as they came together eclectically, would represent somehow the image of Christ to the world. So much so that the world around would go, Wait a second, that's Jew, that's Gentile. They shouldn't be eating together. Why are they eating together? What's going on? So all the preacher had to say at that point was, behold, you're now seeing the will of God. This is the will of God. We invite you in. So this is what's happening, and this temple is being constructed. And so today as we jump into this, keep that in mind. This is the purpose. It actually reminds me of something Dr. John's who I had come and preach maybe four or five months ago, who's also coming to preach on the 21st of this month, which I'm super pumped about, said to us when she talked about the temple, right, that God would restore creativity and how she used this passage, you can pull up the Exodus text, that I think is, is a part of what our body is needing to continue to remember. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. I think that was that was that it was it 14 through 16 so the idea is basically we we don't even want to go where your presence isn't with us right because then it's just a bunch of people's ideas on how to do this right we need the presence of God in our every moment this is the idea being said here about this temple that he's carrying into chapter 3 and now beginning to share so he says for this reason I have been called and graced so this is Paul saying, not only do I want to do this, but I've experienced what we would call a calling, which is a trigger phrase for half of the evangelical church right now. Calling and graced to do a thing. Specifically called and graced to do a thing, and because of the thing he's called and graced to do, he is in prison, in chains. It's not just because they didn't like Paul. It's because Paul had recognized, here's what God called me to do. I'm going to do it. And because he was actively in call and being obedient to the will of God, he is put in prison for that. So that's why that last sentence makes sense. Don't, don't struggle because I'm suffering for the sake of you. This is why I'm here. 
This is why I'm here. I'm here because of this calling. But he uses a phrase that's really tricky. He says he's a prisoner of Christ. And to me, I don't love to hear that right off the bat. I don't love, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Almost in in a society that we preach in, in Western culture, to say you're a prisoner of something is not something that feels invitive. It almost feels like, so what you're saying to me is I have to follow Christ even though I don't want to. I don't understand his love. I don't understand how he has actually permeated my being. I just need to do these things, maybe say a prayer, step into it, and just kind of truck through life. That's not what's being said. He's saying, I'm a prisoner to the gospel. The goodness of God is so good that it's like I'm a prisoner to this goodness. I can't escape it. Even though I'm physically bound, I'm still a prisoner to the gospel. That's a different picture, right? I'm a prisoner to how God is pursuing this other community to say to them, you're included. You thought you weren't up until this point, but you're now included. I'm a prisoner of a call that includes other people, even if I might struggle for that. I'm just telling you, I could praise lap it right here. I'm a prisoner not just because I get what God gave me, because this is mine, right? You know, fear over faith, faith over fear. It's ridiculous. I'm a prisoner because God has placed me on this planet for the sake of others, and I've experienced the riches in such a way that I'm not gonna not give it to others. And if I'm put in jail for giving it to others, you might as well just lock me up. I'm gonna write stuff. I'm not gonna write like Paul, but I'm gonna write some stuff. It's gonna be good. You're gonna know that you're loved, right? Right? What do we do with that kind of content? That what God has called you to do for the sake of others, not just for yourself, might leave you troubled by those around you. It's not enough for me to demand people to respect my God because of my rights. It's enough for me to demand people to respect God because of your rights. It's enough. That's what's being said here. That's good. That's confusing, but good. That's what Paul is saying. This isn't just about me. I'm the least. I'm the least of these, right? Someone who actually persecuted and was part of helping people lose their lives because of Christ. Now loved by God, his story now seen. This was someone who was harming us. The grace of God now through this story and this man, he's also been called and he's also been called to us, the people who were told, you will not be accepted. This is the story of Paul. I love this story. What is the mystery? All right, I'm gonna tell you. Everybody say, what is the mystery? So there's two parts of this I want you to know. There's one part, the mystery of Christ, that needs to stay mystery. It is not bad for you to have mystery and awe and wonder in relation to Christ. If Christianity is boxed into 10 promises on the back of our toilet, it's not operating correctly. There should be such mystery that at some point in history, God reveals some new revelation that's so massive, that's so also what he had from all along, that we have space to say, we submit. We submit, even though we think we know what's best. We submit. We submit to you, Father. Mystery is good. Mystery is why when we look at a painting, we feel something. Mystery is why when we hear a song, something happens in us. Not because we know exactly what chords we're working and what words should have been, but because there's awe and wonder when you stand next to a mountain and look at it. When you are near a river and hear it. When you see kids laughing mystery, wonder, these things that are such a part of the gospel and the story of God that he wants to keep us involved in. I love that he starts it to say these are the mysteries now revealed. 
But the mystery specifically here is extremely important. The mystery is this whole collection of people. This whole collection of people, this Gentile community that up until this point you've decided are not worthy of your God, that are second-class citizens, this group of people now is given exactly what you've been given. They have access to all of it. And to not come in and sit over there because they're actually not as important, but to come in fully, fully, and there's four things that is said to be given here that you need to hear. What are these riches that are given The inheritance, they are heirs as well. The body, these people now will step into the body and picture this. They're like a finger or an arm or an ear. These people that previously had no spot in this, that felt shamed by a community, are now accessing the exact same stuff. And chiefly now, which this part would have shocked them more than any other part, because any relation to a king up to this point, you are not allowed near. And even with this community, there's a certain spot in the temple that if they were to pass through that spot, what would happen to them? They would be killed. Think of this. This community of people now, you're all equal, would have been killed if they would have passed a certain spot in the temple that the Jews worshiped at. Now you have access to God. I imagine there were counseling sessions happening. I imagine there was like group therapies happening, just trying to get them to believe, no, you really have access now. You really can go to God. No, I'm pretty sure, like I'll I'll still go to that spot in the temple I was used to, but that's as far as I'm going because what if they don't know I have access? And that's like legitimate. They might still kill me, right? This is a whole different way to be human that they're being involved into. And because of this, because God desires that this message come through someone he's called to steward it, right? To steward this message, Paul is saying, I'm not going to sit on this. And I I hesitate to say this statement, but I'm going to say it. It's like Paul knows he has the cure for cancer, and he's not just going to not tell everybody about it. That's the kind of severity and umph and like, like grit and care, he's carrying this because this is actually more important than that. This is so important that how would I not tell brother and sister who feels like there are legitimate things that would keep them from God? Okay, so big news flash: We are not the Jewish community in this room. We are the Gentile community. So anybody in this room hearing this text from Paul is through the lens of the Gentile community. We are not, we, we feel like all of it, like America, all of it. We feel like we are the Israelites, right? We pray for Israel, so we must be the Israelites. No, we are the Gentile people. Who, a grace has been extended to us to jump into this. A grace has been extended, and many of us still won't do it, right? And the reasons are so strong for us as well. I've been told this, right? What are the reasons? There's extremely bad theologies that we've built our entire lives on that many people are deconstructing from now and God's inviting all of those people into the truth of the riches of Christ, which is you have access to Jesus. And it doesn't matter what theologies were given to you prior to this. This will become the most foundational thing in your faith, period. Gentile community, this will become the most foundational thing. I, Paul, have been given this message because it's important that they know this to start. You're included. So whatever happens, wherever it is that you feel like you're not included, it's not true. This is the foundation. You have access to God. Your inheritance is there. The body, you you have the right to be in the body. You are not second-class citizens anymore. And we can relate to that because all of us have reasons why we shouldn't be in this room. 
All of us have bad theologies that have been passed to us, and all of us are still being invited. What if there is a group of people who stop deciding to point out all of the dumb things that happened? Because they're everywhere. God's not concerned with us like just making sure we show the world we're not those Christians, those ones that do that. He's like, can you just be the body that I wanted you to be? Maybe just do that and you won't have to be like, well, they're dumb and they're dumb. And you don't have to start like a Twitter handle, like the progressive Christian culture guy or whatever, just highlighting all of the things. Everybody knows the things, but destroying it is like burning down a house with all the kids still in there. Embody this thing that we know. I actually think I planted this church on like 50% angst against the church, right? And we're just gonna show them. We're gonna show everybody what Jesus truly intends. And Jesus is like, excuse me, young man, I would appreciate it if you would just live the gospel. And the way that you do that is try, to try your best to not make this about you because you're gonna struggle with that a lot, and I still do. And then love people really well because I'm just trying to invite people into this. And this isn't a conversation about um, superficial or surface level Christianity. This is about the grace of God is so revolutionary that it takes someone into an entirely new life. Not that goes to church every Sunday and gets a fish on the back of their truck and wears a Christian t-shirt that like is letters put together that mean a thing. It's like, no, this is cruciform life where you enjoy the call and getting that to so many people so much that they could take away like all your rights. They could make you wear a mask and that doesn't mean they're robbing you of God. Like these are the things that happen in the cruciform life that we're invited into and no one can stop that from happening. Paul's strongest work came from a prison cell, not from a platform. This is where he did his work. We're complaining about our broken places. God is saying, is it a blessing or is it a cursing? It's all on how you see it. It's in the eye of the beholder. Amen. All right, so for the church, I have a quote. I really believe what is happening here is Paul is not only just speaking to a community of people that need to walk in who they are. He's not just saying to them this, you are the beloved and you have access to God, which you gotta get. He's also saying, we're gonna settle that junk because that's settled. We're not even talking about it anymore. You're a part and you need to now be that in the world to say to people who have no idea they're a part, you're actually a part. You just don't know it yet. You haven't lived into what it means to be fulfilled and a part of the body yet. You're just walking around like you're an orphan, but you're not. You're included in this. This is settled. This is his work. He does the hard work. We do the easy work. It's still not easy for us to believe. Jesus does this work for us and says, come on. So when he talks to the church, he's forming a church. He's still doing it now. We're not on decline. Okay, so let, let's, I'm gonna just... The church is not on a decline and in fear of like losing its witness. I actually think we're in more of a place to be a witness than we've ever been in America, for sure. I'm not at all worried that they're gonna take it away. Our government is gonna take away our God. That's not possible. It's not a possibility. Doesn't matter if we're all in prison. Would you guys go to prison with me today? Like what if all of us, had our own cell in a prison, how would we handle what we've been, been given by God? If just all of a sudden, like tomorrow, we woke up and we were all in a different cell, same prison, what would we be doing? Some of us would be working out, like trying to... I know a couple of you that would be, I'm just going to kill it for a couple weeks. 
I would hurt my back doing that. So I would, I would just follow Christ. Amen. Too far? Did I go too far there? So for the church, I want to read you this. The mystery of Jesus as spoken of in this passage embodies the kind of transformative power to help heal, restore, and renew broken lives, communities, and institutions, and even nations. That's the heart of God, right? That's the heart. Those things in our lives through us to others. This particular passage is a long prayer of the author's insight into the mystery of Christ. The church is presented as the cosmic organism for revealing and understanding God's divine will for humanity. We have gotten this wrong. We don't need to jump on that soapbox, though. Well, this is where the church did it wrong. I get it. Let's just start doing it, okay? The epiphany of the Lord is made possible because of God's self-disclosure. God discloses or reveals God's self to human beings as an expression of God's inexhaustible love and mercy. The epiphany speaks to an awakening and enlightenment and the revelation of God revealed in the life of Jesus Christ. It is the kind of epiphany that transforms lives and even calls for new allegiances, goals, and directions. For me to say, I am a follower of Christ, is not for me to demand that you see it. It's for me to demand upon myself that I live the life that does that. That's two different things. He's never asked us to convince the world of him. It's not a thing he's asking us to do. He's asking us to embody it. The reason it's so easy for Paul to talk about this is because he's experiencing it. This is, this is the room he's in. He's like, y'all come in here. It's very different than y'all go in there. Y'all come in here means I'm having a conversation with a guy about where he's at. This is why Christian story about Jesus is so important. Because when we build bridges with our words to who Christ is, it invites people into those spaces. That's why Paul's words mean so much. Because he's inviting us where he is. It's very different, right? There's this picture in one of the commentaries I read this week that I will never forget. And it says, it's like many of us are walking around this massive palace in the hallways of this palace. And we're walking by rooms and we're seeing pictures of saints. I'm adding parts of my own now. I've blended this thing with my own thing. I don't know who gets credit for that. Because I feel like they didn't give me that part. Maybe they should be saying, actually, no, maybe not. So it's like we're walking the hallways of this great palace talking about, oh, there's saint whoever, right? Like, there's that saint. There's this saint who is, no, there's Leslie who's awesome and she's a prayer warrior. You know, and there's these guys who I don't even know. They might be angels, honestly. Like, I'm not certain at this point. Then there's, there's these saints and how awesome. And we're wandering these halls for like 80 years. We're walking through the halls. All the while, God wants us to walk into the rooms We've got to get into the rooms. We've got to step into where the riches of Christ are. And the beautiful thing about the story of Christ and the riches of the gospel is there are many rooms. And just when you think you've capitalized on, now I got it, he's like, well, if you move that bookcase, which could be a prophetic thing for you, move the bookcase, step in, there's a whole nother room. And once you're in there, you're like, oh, I get it now. It's about me not making my life about me. He's like, also, I know that you've got that. There's this other room over here. And nobody's even talked to you about this room. And then there's the temptations in there to make those rooms about you and your calling and your stages and what you're going to get and your house. And he's like, you already kind of know that's not what it's about. So he's asking us in these rooms and he's saying to the body, 
Any of you, any of the church around the world whose centerpiece and cornerstone is Jesus is part of this. You don't get to decide because that church looks like that or does that or, well, I don't know, they, don't, they, they raise their hands in worship or actually they don't raise their hands in worship or they do prayers. You don't get to decide that. Any church whose cornerstone is who? Is a part of this beautiful picture. It's not all on us. That's so liberating to know that we're invited into something that's been happening forever and will keep happening. And then he's not like, oh, reboot, reboot, reboot. It's not like second half. And he's like, how do we do this now? He's like, no, this has actually been it all along. See, Paul, you thought before this, it was only for the Jews. This is actually my purpose all along. This is new to y'all that I'm inviting the Gentiles in this. This is not new to me. You're, you just weren't caught up enough yet to get it. Now you're getting it. That's what the life of Christ looked like. That's why Paul, who actually is probably chief among all that we listen to, still says, I'm not, because he is in a space to learn, even when he's older than everyone and smarter than everyone. I don't know it all. I'm the, I'm the least. That's so important. Because if we embody that we know it all, we just lost our witness. Because they're not invited into the mystery of Jesus in these rooms. They're invited into you. And you're not enough. You're not enough of Christ. You're just not. I'm not enough of Christ. That's why I'm not trying to tell you what equipping the saints looks like. Because I'm just not enough of Christ to do that for you. My dependency on him is enough for me and my calling. But it's not enough for you. You have to be invited into that. This is the mystery of the gospel. This is good. This is good stuff. All the boundless riches. You know how in real estate they say, like, this is so cheesy. You know, they say that it's proper. It's like, what is it? The three things that are all the same thing? Location, location, location. So here it's like, see, this is goofy, but maybe you'll remember it. It's access, access, access. For your year, your you, your now, your family, your kids, your goals, your house, your next thing, your spouse, your everything. Access, access, access. The most beautiful thing about the disciples when they went to that desert with Jesus and he was like, go feed these jokers. And they were like, what are we going to do? There's two, there's two scenarios that happen there. There's people who are like, well, there's a lot of stinking people here. Jesus has now told us to do this. We're, we know that we're not going to be able to do this. So you're probably either wrong, Jesus, for telling us that, or we got to figure it out. I know that if me and Alita were there, and I know you love me, we'd be figuring it out. We'd be like, we love you, Jesus, but your plan is insufficient. So we're going to work on this. As an eight and a three, we're like, we're going to come up with something. They're at least going to be enamored for a little bit. But the success in the story has nothing to do with the bread. Their success in life, and this is a picture for your life, because you are sitting here saying, this is too hard. How do I live into this and learn to hear the voice of God and walk in calling, whatever that is? Do you mean my vocation? Don't put that on me. Whatever all that is, it's not about the bread. It's about the Jesus that was four feet from them. That was like, hey, I know you don't know what to do. That's kind of the point. Also, what do you have with you? We got some bread. Give it to me. Bless Shabla. Not only is everybody eating bread, they take baskets home with them. No good mind creates that. The point is access to Jesus at all times. It may look like you're slowing the plan in your life to say, I gotta get this, I gotta get this. He's like, no, you sit down and be quiet. You don't even know about what's coming. You don't even know. Sit down, be with me. 
I'll produce things out of that that you could not have done. And it'll even be from some of the things you already got. This is how he works. But as soon as the disciples decide to step away from Jesus at any point, that's when all the dumb stuff happens. And then he's like, well, welcome back. You can come on back. You thought you knew. Come on back. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Doesn't mean you get to tell everybody else what to do because you heard from God. That does not mean that. It does not mean you get to dominate someone's life because your access to Jesus told you to tell them they've got to do this. Doesn't mean that either. It's a cruciform life. It's better in the service to Christ than it would be in the freedom of the world. It's better there. Not because you can dominate people, but because your life is so overrun by the goodness of God. You don't get that by producing your own bread. Amen? Amen. Jesus produces that. So, access, access, access. <laughs> Jesus, pastor statement. You can, if you want to quote me on the interweb, you can. Or put it on the gram. I say the gram now because Christina said that and I didn't know it was a thing. Does everybody know that you call Instagram the gram? Who knows that? Cool. You know it? You didn't know it? Okay. All right. Let's just move on. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to open up some space for stories. What have you experienced in Christ that somebody's just got to know about? What have you experienced in Christ that somebody's just got to see? Maybe your story is an invitation into a place they're like, are you serious? You've been in that place with Jesus? And that's a place people can go? You mean I don't have to like walk in my shame? You mean I'm invited in even though I did all of this stuff, that I've walked through a divorce, I've done this. You, I'm invited in this. You're serious. Come on in. Plenty of rooms. It's like a five-star hotel times 50. It's like a 500-star hotel. Amen. So, Jesus, I pray that our community begins to share story with one another, with others. But also as we hear this, there's this strong invitation to make it about ourselves. This story is built on the idea that there are those that believe they're outside of the grace of God. That's us, even in our hidden ways. That's also people who actually believe that or have been told that. And so we have to be aware as your gospel carriers as your witnesses, as those who are ambassadors of the truth and reconciliation, that as we pass people in coffee shops, in cars, in our own families, they might believe that it's literally impossible for them to receive the riches of Christ, inheritance, part of the body. So many people are looking for belonging. So many people are looking for belonging. Quicken our spirits and our hearts and our words as we see the actual people that walk by us every day. Show us how they're experiencing their world so that we can speak these words as if we have the answer to a disease. And then take away all the pride and all the striving and all the gotta get it perfects that we're gonna add on to it. Because it's just about being four feet from you and hearing your words. You actually have enough, son or daughter. I've given you a story. I've done this. When you share that, it's going to multiply. So for the next few minutes, we're going to open up a space. You can come up here. Where's the mic? Do we have a stand as well we can put it on? Anywhere? Anyone? Bueller? 
So yeah, so I'm actually gonna leave it here. When you're done, there are thingies. I don't know what those are called, where there's stuff in them. This is bad, already really bad. Um, or we'll figure out how to get a stand up here. Um, but if you'd like to come up, okay, I can hold it for you. That's fine. Okay, no stand. All right, we're working. Where's my mask? So um, there's a group of us who gets together for intercessory prayer every Tuesday morning, and it's just, it's phenomenal. And um, it's probably the highlight of my week. And this past week, we really got a word that I felt was, and we all felt, was very um, applicable to us today. And we've been sitting hearing a lot about shame and isolation and how it leads to sin and death and all that and you know how bad it is and then this past Tuesday Caitlin started talking about Lazarus and how Jesus raised Lazarus and that Jesus raised him from the dead Lazarus comes out but then Jesus tells the people there to take off his grave clothes And oh, would we be the group, the church, that's willing to take off each other's grave clothes. If we would be the people, I can come to you and say, take this off. You can come to me and say, take this off. And especially the people who don't think they have grave clothes. We all have grave clothes. And so, Lord, help us to be that group. Bring us into that. Amen. never seen the Lord work so diligently in my life, but it was only through the church. Um, I went to get tested for COVID on 12-21 just so I could go see my mom for Christmas. I had no symptoms whatsoever. And so when he told me I was positive, I started laughing. And the doctor's like, you're the first one that's ever laughed. I'm like, get out of town. I don't have COVID. And about seven hours later, I got hit with a tsunami of every symptom possible. And I mean, just nurse anyway. It lasted about three or four weeks, but I wanted to um, tell everybody, it was this church. I would go to my front door and there'd be a basket or there'd be a card or there'd be, and I I didn't even know y'all were praying for me. I finally went on and watched one of our services. And Kara, I just want to say your prayers of the people are incredibly moving. Like I've never seen in the band and the worship music, you guys. I mean, it gave me so much strength. But the testimony is how the Lord works in our church for me and how much he prayed. I was actually, as I always get embarrassed when people are doing things for me, but I posted Kara's little snip of 
Lori, you know, with COVID, blah, 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 blah. And I had 268 people on Facebook like it. And you guys, I mean, when you never know when you're praying for other people. The Lord's, the Lord healed me. I mean, I'm, I'm great. Um, Josh is like, <laughs> but um, I just wanted to say I've, I've been so overwhelmed and so moved by the love of this church. Everybody here just gives of themselves over and over, but Kara and Josh and the church staff and all you guys, you do so much this COVID time, but to have been constantly praying for me, um, I just wanted to say thank you and praise God for healing. He and when you said about the woman that was captured and we prayed, you know, Lord, find her. I mean, praise God for all the prayers answered. So thank you all. Thank you, Lord. It's a combo. Hi, I'm Sharon Toms, and this is my husband, Brian Toms. And um, last week we were... Um, looking for homes. You know, we were with a realtor. We went and saw this gorgeous home in South Smyrna, Mableton. And then um, we really thought we would want to get it. See, what we're trying to do is um, move my mom and sister from Chicago down here because my mom's 85 years old. And so we really want to be able to look after her together as a family. So we were looking for a house that had um, in-law suite, master on main and various things. And um, so we found what we thought was a perfect house, but then I looked up online to see, you know, what was around there because on the weekend I like to do a lot of, we do a lot of gardening and we do a lot of bird watching and stuff. And so there really wasn't a garden store. There was no um, bird seed supply store or anything near there. So we thought the location, you know, wasn't just quite right. So we've been really praying and I guess the verse came to mind um, is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So God spoke that verse to me at night, and then when I read it in the morning, and my devotion was the same verse, I knew it was confirmation. So we have a friend um, that is, um, she's kind of between churches and not going. She's at home for COVID, but she is um, in um, in real estate law, so she recommended a realtor, and um, she's been praying for us. And um, so we looked at houses this week, and there was one in particular that we just thought would be perfect so it has such a nice feel it had a nice um um you know bedroom in the basement and on the main and enough space on the second floor so it had a beautiful garden and they had set up you know bird feeders and stuff um and a lot of plantings and things that we thought would be really nice and so we um put a an offer in on it and i'll let brian tell the story <laughs> So, yeah, we really felt like this was the house, and our realtor, who is a Christian, and his friend, who's a real estate lawyer, is, uh, were, uh, were praying as well, and there were uh, five offers all over a list. We weren't the highest. There was other people with stories, but we wrote a letter and kind of explained our situation, and they accepted the offer. Yes, um, so we're really excited, and one of the things we put in our little story was, you know, I add, had our realtor add that um, we were gardeners, and we loved the yard, and that we would be feeding, taking care of their birds, and I think that made a difference. Okay, so Thank you, guys.
brought this up because I thought my words might, might leave me. What do you want to do? What are we doing? You're going to hold it. Yeah. Is that okay? We don't even care anymore. I already had it, so it's like whatever. Um, yeah, so this year has been a lot of anxiety for me. Um, just a lot of things have come up that have just been a lot to deal with. Um, and I think the past couple weeks, especially walking into this week, um, on and off anxiety, but I just felt so overwhelmed by all of the things that I felt like I wasn't doing that I should be doing. Um, I felt like I was failing, like I was so far behind that I was never going to catch up. Um, and this week, I went to counseling, and we're doing listening prayer, and really in that time, like Jesus met me, and it was so profound because it was in the middle of anxiety, like in the middle of feeling so mess, like so messy and so messed up and so lost. Um, he met me there, and I guess my testimony is that his presence just really changes everything. Like that's all it was, was just going to him and him affirming my identity was that he loves me and wants me even though I am incapable of all these things. Um, and so, yeah, I came out of that with a lot of peace. I came out of that saying no to a lot of things that I had been putting off for a month. Um, and so I think the, the, the thing that I really felt was that it wasn't subtly that I knew who I was and I could do all these things, is that even though I can't accomplish all these things that I should be doing, even though I'm not enough on my own, I'm still loved and I'm still wanted. times. Um, I like a good time and I don't like to be sad. So um, last year was a year that was just like being comfortable with sadness and hurt and going through a lot of things that were really hard and um, I had to learn how to be comfortable with that but then it almost went to an extreme of like now I don't know how to be happy again and um, the last few months the Lord has been showing me that it's okay to expect goodness from him, and it's okay to be hopeful again. And um, even though things can get really hard, and we can, we know that we're going to face trials of many kind. Like we know that we can expect goodness from God. And Psalm one forty five eight is the verse that I've been just like yelling over myself every morning. And it's the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. I just hope that even if we are going through something and it is really hard and we're hurting, like we can be comfortable with both things. We can be comfortable with pain and the emotions of sadness, but we can also say like, my God is good and he is gracious and he is merciful and I still have hope. So that's my uh, testimony, I guess.
All right, I'm gonna read some from online, or one from online. This one is from Malou in London. Hey girl, thank you for sharing. Um, so it says, the Lord has been teaching me how to slow down and that letting go can be a good thing. When everything tells me to hold on, he has kept me sane, safe, and supported and loved even during dark times. He has used me to bring hope back and comfort. When I felt helpless and thought I had nothing to offer, he showed me otherwise. Crazy to say, but I am grateful for the past year and the lessons learned in its struggle. Thank you so much for sharing. And then personal. Um, long story short, I've been in a very long season of waiting. And um, yeah, those are just hard. Those kind of spaces suck, you know? And so I have been um, trying to be faithful and being in community and all of the things that is great to do in the desert. Um, and I think I was just getting to a point this week where I just felt tired, just extra tired. And I just kind of prayed out really desperately to God, like, dude, I'm here and I'm waiting, but I would just love a sign that you see me, that you know that I'm having a rough go at it. And... God is so good. He's so good because in less than 10 minutes, I clocked it. It was nine minutes exactly. I stumbled across um, this person and they were speaking really specifically to me. In fact, they like listed the exact thing I was praying for in the order that I was praying for it. And they led me to this verse that is in Isaiah 60, 22. And it says, when the time has come to pass, the Lord will bring it. And I just like felt that, that God just saw me and he heard me. And even though I don't have the answers, like I submit to mystery. But he gave me the hope to know that like he sees me. And in his loving and perfect timing that I will see it come to pass. And so it was just a reminder that your father is good. And it is for his glory and for your highest highest happiness that you were waiting and so if anyone else is in a really crummy season of waiting know that it is for the glory of God that those things haven't come to pass yet and that they will come to pass and that his word says when the time has come that he himself will bring it so Yeah, um, I think I've been in a season of waiting too, and um, I'm kind of coming out of and into um, through God's timing. Through um, so I'm like proof, I guess, that His timing is perfect. Um, as of November 13th, I was um, without a job and um, of 2020. So I was sitting in that and um, praying about kind of, kind of where God wanted me. Um, I didn't 
no. I was very like, oh, like I don't know what to do. Do I, you know, drive Uber? Like what's, like the yeah, what, like what's the in between? And um, an opportunity kind of fell on my lap of working at a college ministry at Georgia Tech, and um, there are different things that felt right to me. But that was supposed to start in July, um, and. I was like, God, God, I'm, your will be done in this, but I need a job between now and then. Like, I don't know what to do. And um, he moved it up to March. And so, and so this past week was my first week at work. Um, being in the lives of these, these college kids and uh, just feeling the love, acceptance, and reception from them um, even those I didn't know were excited that I was there and uh, I was like, God, what are you doing? This is crazy. Um, and just being confirmed that this is where I need to be. Um, and so God's good. His timing is perfect. And I'm a firm believer in that now. <laughs> um, I just like resting in and trusting in that and growing in the trust that his timing is perfect. And even with, like, this past week was awesome, but also it was hard because it was, I was in a lot of the new things and just at work. Um, and I was really tired and um, feeling very dry. Um, that's Friday morning. Um, first, first Friday of each month, um, we, have, we have a time that's open to all people um if you can make it i recommend um but god met me there and um so he's good Hello, uh, many of you probably don't know me. My name's David. I'm in a different phase of life. I'm retired. I uh, have a little RV van out there. That's my home. Um, so uh, I came to this church a, a few weeks ago through a friend of yours, actually. And um, so uh, I just am rolling through the country. I've been in the Atlanta area now about six weeks. This used to be my home many years ago before I got a job in middle Georgia for the last 10 years from which I retired so when I come back it feels like home and um, so anyhow um, next week I'll be leaving uh, for parts south and west and I'll be returning to the Atlanta area from time to time but since the COVID thing and everything was online I got out of the habit of attending a physical church and I thought oh I could do the same thing it's just so easy you know but um, when I was up in New England, uh, my, my niece invited me to her church, something similar to this. And it was just so much better. And so I decided I'm going to go to a physical church anywhere I am rolling through the country. And I can feel the spirit when, things, when the church is doing things right. And I can feel it when they're just kind of play acting like... And so this one is one I think is doing things right. I can feel the spirit. So 
Keep on keeping on, y'all. person that's like, oh, he needs me. And then we're going to do the doxology. Then I'm going to teach you Greek and Hebrew. So, not in that order. Ah! First of all, we're no angels. I know that much. Just to, just to clarify. Or at least I'm not. I think she is, but. So, but we wanted to share a little bit. So we're, it used to be someone that would talk about Christians knowing what church they don't go to. So for this whole COVID thing, we knew what church we weren't going to. And it was true. But um, but anyway, the, um, so I I was moved a couple weeks ago when, when Josh was talking about struggle is not an indictment. Do you remember that? Struggle is not an indictment, so we're hearing a lot about struggle because each of us have that in our lives. That's what one of the things our lives is about, those hallways that Josh is talking about. So, uh, but um, but I, I don't know if you know what Beyblades are. Beyblades are, do you know what Beyblades are? So Beyblades, if you're a parent, you'll know what a, and if you're a grandparent of certain age, you'll know what Beyblades are. Anyway, they're tops, you know, like a top. That, this, but this one has a little spinner thing on it. You can make it go real fast. So our grandson was talking about, was talking to Meyer about, uh, about Beyblades. <laughs> That's just, I mean, seriously. Anyway, so he's saying, he's saying, you know, uh, Mina, they, they have stamina, and he's five. So she said, oh, that's cool. So what is stamina? And he says, well, because they last for a long time, you know. So, and it made me think of struggle. It made me think of of running the race with endurance, and all of this testimony we've had this morning about God being there to meet each one, and. Uh, made me think about some of the vocabulary that, that we've learned here about awakenings and things like that and how awakenings are those times uh, on the marathon. We're kind of all on a marathon race here, kind of. And uh, it's, it's uh, those awakenings are like those little way stations where they give you a cup of water, you know, in the marathon. And you stop and get a little water. So we keep praying for those awakenings for each one of us at those dry seasons and along the, along the race but uh, it's one of the things we, we see in each other is stamina so you're just really all little Beyblades that's great my son would appreciate that so much thanks for sharing if you would all mind standing with me we're going to do the doxology, and then is there a way to get Psalm 19, verse 14 
right after that. And so on Friday morning prayer, I had the bravery, which I don't like to do, to just start singing with no accompaniment. And the last time I did that with our staff, they all left me hanging. Someone needs to go to counseling. Yes, I do. I actually received counseling for that. (laughs) This time, with the eight or ten of us that were there, we, at one point, somebody was like, we're supposed to just sing this. Like, this is not a just a, we're supposed to sing it. And we sang it, and it was, I sounded awesome. By I, I mean, that's my testimony. By I, I mean, everybody in that room, it felt like we were saying it. Like we meant it, like an I love you. And so your invitation this morning is the same. Just make up your own melody, guys. Psalm 19. (laughs) Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son. to do one more time literally just the voices as loud as you can praise god from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures love you guys so much. I, I hear there's an invitation to the field out here for people that want to hang out. God, I pray blessings on our community that we would be salt and light. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.